imagine my morning without two things a cup of coffee and my favorite capital breakfast show Dina and Talish you're great best of the best each morning is really great and fun makes my morning so much better love you this is capital FM Moscow 105.3 With Alan Moore. A very, very warm welcome to you listeners out there in Radio Land tonight. Welcome to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I am Alan Moore and you, our lucky listeners, are in for the very best news, views, previews, reviews and interviews in the world of sports. So, question, just what will you feast on with us tonight? Well, we have English, Russian, German and Spanish football plus European football from the UEFA Super Cup which happened last Wednesday to the Champions League to the Europa League. We'll go to Timen very, very shortly to Mr. Andrew Flint um, and we'll, well, this is going to be good with him because we had a big rant from Archon Juba, Big Daddy Juba uh, and we're going to see what he had to say about himself at their game. Yes, we would say it, of course. Um, we will then in the second part speak with Peter Staunton of Goal.com just on just how is VAR being received in the English Premier League of course it's just debuted there and a lot of uh, let's just say comment on that so far um, and of course he was covering the Man City Spurs match for us yesterday and then we're going to chat finally 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 with Mr Alex B about the latest fight and basketball news because of course that huge big fight being announced for Saudi Arabia that is the rematch between Anthony Joshua and Mr Ruiz Jr um, and then of course we will round off our show with the best tips of the week with Mr Andy Mack who's not on the flat of it back he is recovered and he is at work he's out in Russia today and he'll be coming to us live and loud and of course you have any comments or any any interesting stories you want to, want to throw into us? Plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. However, before we kick it off, we're going to go straight up to Double M with our sports news roundup. Okay, good evening, and another week full of sports news. And let's start with the UEFA Super Cup last Wednesday. It was another All England matchup with Champions League winners Liverpool up against Europa League champs Chelsea. Chelsea were massive underdogs, yet they gave as good as they got. It ended two two after one hundred and twenty minutes, and Liverpool won on penalties. The only really awful thing is that uh, is the abuse Tammy Abraham got after his missed penalty on the shootout. Yeah, of course, it's Tammy Abraham, the young um, lad who's been, spent a lot of time. He's a, a Chelsea product. He spent a lot of time out on loan at different clubs. Um, he was he was terrific. He won the penalty that equalised to make it two two, uh, and then afterwards, because he missed his penalty, it was well, it's a good save anyway, Adrian, and uh, got terrific amounts of abuse. But you know, that's English football. All right, staying with the English football. Yesterday, Arsenal beat Burnley two one. Liverpool won away at their reserve team Southampton 2-1. Man City and Spurs met in the game of the weekend and it finished 2-2. Everton nipped past Watford 1-0. VAR, the video assistant referee, had a large part to play already this season. We'll discuss that later. Still in England today, Sheffield United got three points of a Crystal Palace match mm-hmm. and Chelsea drew 1-1 against Leicester City. Tomorrow evening at 10pm Moscow time, Wolves welcome Manchester United to Molinar. Andy Mack has an interesting tip and take on this one, so stay tuned for the expert opinion. We previewed the German and Spanish leagues last week, and they kicked off on Friday. Yes, of course, yeah. yeah they kicked off on Friday. Uh, Bayern, of course, opening up their account with a rather fortunate 2-2 draw. Yeah, real shock. Barcelona lost At- 1-0. I know. <laughs> a 38-year-old, a guy who's not that much younger than me, scored yeah. a goal, and he's going to return to the end of the season. I was happy. Okay. The, the goal was actually a masterpiece. Kind Wasn't of it? It was a great goal. Was and he just came on the field as well. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go All ahead, right. Major Renault. All right, the media are writing the obituary for the Catalans. 
The other contenders, Real Madrid, won 3-1 away in Vigo against Celta. Valencia dropped two points when drawing 1-1 at home against Real Sociedad. Right now, Espanyol are playing Sevilla and it is 1-0 with the visiting team winning so far at the halftime. Later, tonight at 11 p.m., Atletico Madrid start their season against Getafe in Madrid. And Atletico, last week, we pointed, actually you pointed out, they're the only team to make money from transfers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're, they're in the black this season. Okay, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. yeah, very good, very good. Yeah. In Germany, defending champions Bayern München could only draw 2-2 at home to Hertha Berlin. You think they are lucky? Yeah, I do. Now, I know we, before we went on air, I was saying that, like, you know, they opened the scoring with Lewandowski, the Polish lad, uh, went 1 0 up very, very early on in the first half. And then uh, Hertha came back and scored two goals, were leading 2 1. And then Bayern got a penalty. Uh, mm, it was a penalty, okay, it was a penalty, but um, really the better team should have won. Um, and the better team was Hertha Berlin. So I don't well, know, it's a shaky start for Bayern, but then yeah, it's the first game. Well, they have to improve. True. Borussia Dortmund crashed Osborne 5-1. You watched that one? I did, actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was one that... It was really, really strange. Within three minutes, there were, there were two goals. Um, it was 1-0, of course, to uh, Borussia, the favourites, of course. And uh, I think maybe two minutes or three minutes later, it was like within three minutes, like, you know, it was 1-1. First half, it was very, very even between the two teams. Second half, then, Borussia just turned on the, the after jets and won 5-1. It was just... It was like kind of a... A MIG fighting against a biplane, so it was wow. pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was it, the second half was absolutely horrible. But you know, that's that, that's football. All right, and Mönchengladbach and Schalke drew zero zero. Today, Eintracht opened up against Hoffenheim at the Wallstadion one nil. And not too long ago, contenders, according to our expert Roland Murphy, Red Bull Leipzig were were at Newcomers Union Berlin, and the match ended four nil to to Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere, last week the Aussie tennis bad boy Nick Kyrgios melted down against our own Karen Hachanov. Kyrgios won the first set but went to pieces as the second set, set slipped from his grasp. He feuded with Empire Fergus Murphy, smashed two rackets during a bathroom break Murphy had refused him permission to take before appearing to call the Empire a B-pull tool at the end of the <laughs> match. Tool. Beeping, Beeping tool. Beeping tool, yeah. yeah. He now faces more sanctions from the ATP. Uh-huh. Uh, now for a, li- a little rugby news. Wales got revenge over England, winning 13-6 in Wales. South Africa beat Argentina 24-18. New Zealand made change to their lineup and whipped Australia 36-0, while France beat Scotland badly 32-3. And in Italy, Russia went up against the home team. Yeah, and that was a, that was a, a big, big test before the World Cup for Russia. Um, final score? Final score, it was 85-15. to 15. For who? For Italy, I think. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. Okay. All right. That's, that's, that's a tough one. All okay. Right. Um, okay. So that's, that's our, our news right up done. Very, yep, very good. Yep, okay. Yep. We're going to go straight away across, across or out to two men. Uh, Mr. Andrew Flint, can you hear us? I certainly can, guys. How are you doing? Very good. Listen, Andrew, um, we're just going to ask you straight away. Um, English football, uh, is it being ruined by VAR? Not by VAR, but by the rules and by misunderstanding of the rules, in my opinion. I understand people like to protect the celebrations after goals, but I just think there's so much riding on the game nowadays, for better or worse, that you can't afford to get so many mistakes wrong. VAR itself is correct, it's just the way it's implemented that's wrong, in my view. Well, listen, this is the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's simple 
technology. It's just like video that they're watching, like following along, and then people are arguing mm-hmm. against it. So it's kind of like, you know, when Cyberdyne systems come online and uh, self-realize themselves, that the Terminators aren't doing nothing wrong. They're just doing their job. But it's like the humans are messing up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. The rules were very clearly explained to all of the players and managers before the season started. The handball, I think, is a much bigger issue. Um, personally, I think just common sense should be used. That is, that is all that needs to happen. If it's blatant handball, give it. If it isn't, if it's accidental, don't. And that's it. No need to overcomplicate it. Um, the, the, the goal line technology is excellent. Uh, VAR can be excellent. It just needs to be used with common sense and explained much more clearly as well. Yeah, that, that is the point because it was mentioned, of course, during the Women's World Cup uh, that uh, the, the referees didn't quite understand. Now, I mean, this is the excuse being used. They didn't quite yeah. understand the uh, technology. Um, I mean, I do remember when it came into rugby and there were teething problems. But do you think maybe that when there is a screen in the stadium, they should show it there so that the people can actually watch it because then it's actually there's no contention afterwards? Personally, I'd be in favour of that. We know realistically it's never going to happen because they want to have at least a shield to hide behind because it is a new system. They know there are... Hello, Andrew, can you hear us? Okay, so we'll we'll get Andrew back in the line just there. But of course, uh, he was referring to some of the issues that were, were uh, so contentious in regards to VAR um, that it was, you know, that... that, that People were, were blaming that, like, especially with a handball. Did it, did it hit the hand or so on? Um, yeah, Andrew, you're back on with us. Um, Andrew, okay, moving just across ah. here back to Russia um, very, very quickly. We will speak with English football in just a moment again. But um, uh, Artem Juba, he kicked off about this, about VAR, <laughs> wasn't it? That was his rant. And it looks like he's going to get some sanctions. Yeah, um, it, it looks it looks like he's going to be sanctioned for criticising the inconsistency of the decision making and also the inconsistency of the presence of VAR. And actually, I'm completely in agreement with it. If you're going to have VAR, it should be across all the games in the league or none at all because it's just not accurate. Personally, I thought the refereeing was re- was very poor in the in the Zanit Akramat game. Um, the decision to uh, to give a red card for the challenge which there wasn't really any contact on Alexander Yerokin. Um, Asada Asman goes through on goal, picks up the loose ball, scores. It should have been played advantage, should have been a goal, wasn't given. I can understand why Juba is so frustrated. But in today's game, you cannot criticise because you know that you're going to get sanctioned. I think he will get a punishment for this. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always like, you know, letting play go. Um, because I remember, for example, in, in uh, Gaelic football and hurling, there was always a thing where you had to, you, you, when you saw the foul, you blew. You didn't. There was no advantage in it, and of course, in in football and yeah. in rugby, of course, there's a, a very big advantage until the ball is turned over, and so on. And in football, when there's no longer a chance. But you know, if if, if the referee blows and says no, it's a free, and stops to play, um, I I don't see the issue with that. I mean, I can understand that. Okay, well, he went on to score a goal. Yeah, but he also could have missed a goal. So then you say, well, hold on, we should have had a free. So is it not kind of like a, a toss of the coin? Like, would he, in that case, okay, inconsistency overall, but in that case, should he have just maybe just like bit his tongue? Well, I, this, this is the thing for me. I think he made two mistakes. One, I, personally, I think when it is such a marginal decision, he could not possibly have been so completely convinced that it was a massive impact because it, it just simply wasn't. There was no contact. But even if he thought it was, I think in those instances you should play on if there is an if there is an advantage for the attacking side. 
Uh, that's just my personal opinion, but I actually don't think it, there was contact anyway. So I think it made a mistake on two levels. Um, but, and we go back to VAR on this, with VAR, I'm absolutely certain it would not have been a red card because he would have seen that there was A, no contact, and B, minimal intent, if any. And C, I don't even think he was the last man. So for three reasons alone, VAR would have cleared that up. Okay, no, that, okay, I'll, I'll take it on that. Um, just right now, just too long ago, uh, or the, well, the, the game uh, between Loco and Dino, it's, of course, it's, uh, it's, it's finished uh, 2-1 to Lokomotiv. Lokomotiv came from a goal back they conceded early on and uh, fought mm-hmm. back with uh, Moranchuk and, of course, then it, it well, Moranchuk, I should say, just the, 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 the twins <laughs> scored a goal each, uh, Alexei and then Anton. So, um, this is, this is, quite good for Lokomotiv I mean Dinamo now will go they won't be back at the stadium for another month but that looks good for Loco doesn't it? Yeah it's a very very good result um, Dinamo we know we're uh, reinforcing well Maximilian Philip is a really big name signing for them Clinton and G was actually really good today he was really quick out wide it was a big big threat for them um, it was a bit of a goalkeeping howler, to be honest, from Guillermo to let in the first goal. But it showed a lot of character to come back away from home in a Moscow derby. Um, now are forced to be reckoned with this season. They're not going to challenge for Europe, in my opinion, but they are going to cause problems. And to get three points away from home is a really, really big result for Loco. Really, really good game. There. Okay, now tomorrow, of course, Loco have moved into second place on the table that they're a point behind Zenit, uh, equal number of games played. Um, Siska, they could move up um, ahead of Rostov. Uh, they they have a game, of course, tomorrow. Huge, another derby um, against Spartak. Now, Spartak, you know, they they can't afford to lose this game, can they? Because if they do, they're in, they, they they're not in trouble, but they're they're going to lose the kind of the um, the momentum that they've been building up in Europe. Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. It's the first time um, that Spartak have won three competitive games in a row for. I can't believe, I think something like 18 months. It's a very, very long time anyway. Yep. Um, and right now, they have to capitalise on that momentum. I personally think Sparta win this one because they've got that momentum. But like you say, Cisco are, are a good quality side. They'll be missing Arnold Sigurdsson for injury, but um, they are a good side. So it, you never know in a Moscow derby. But um, with the form that Schurler's on, Andrew Schurler, I think Sparta will have enough to exit. Okay, no, that is a good point because sure, he he said himself he wants to be a leader. He wants to really like make you know make a name for himself here because he's still you know he's he's looking away again to to move a, you know back abroad, shall we say, or to move out of Russia. Um, very very quickly, um, I just want to ask you one thing because we're leaving England aside at the moment. We'll come on to that again with uh, Peter Peter Staunton. But you're undertaking a huge journey right now. You're you're following SC Two Men. How's it going so far? It's going very, very well. I think I'm good luck charm for them. Um, we've won three games out of four in the league. Uh, we've just beaten top of the table Akron Toliati, and we're away to Odal Dubl, top of the table again, um, coming week, and through to the next round of the Russian Cup to face Yenisei Krasnyarsk. So, successful season so far. Uh, very young side, and they're playing good football. So, fingers crossed there'll be promotion soon. Okay, listen, good luck. Listen, Andrew, we'll be back on to you next week, so you just take, uh, take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk with you very, very soon, and thanks for that. Okay, so that was Andrew Flint. We are going to go out to the break right now. We have a nice little deal for you to sort of like, to make you feel good on this Sunday evening, because we feel good after that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we're, we're flying after that one. So, we have one called Fits and the Tantrums. Uh, you will hear this, you're kind of going to be outside on a balcony, you're going to be up on the roof, you're going to be sipping a cocktail or a lemonade or whatever it may be, but you're going to feel very, very good after the song. So, this is Fits and the Tantrums. I just want to shine. We're back after the break with Mr. Peter Staunton. 
Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Good night, stress. See you in the morning. I don't gotta guess. You're always there for me. So I never see to doubt. I think you're like seeing me freak out. Good night, stress. See you in the morning. So I wake up. I get out of bed. Stay up. Stay out of my head. listeners to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore and still with me is Double N. He has not run away just yet. Um, Double N, uh, I have to apologise to you because I did mess up your, your news so badly. So my apologies. No, it's, it's okay, it's okay. All right, so you let me with it. Okay, okay. So I can work another week. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so again, just to confirm that score today, 2-1, uh, Lokomotiv 1. Um, we'll be bringing any score up that you have uh, that we'll bring through in the show as well. Uh, before we go away to Peter Staunton on the phone, all the way from England, I do have to give a, a little bit of a look at the um, European Champions League because, of course, the qualifiers were taking place. Uh, two Russian clubs involved, of course, we have uh, Spartak, who are in 
the um, Europa League and uh, Krasnodar who are just 180 minutes away from the group stage of the Champions League Mr. Sergei Galitsky he will be just I don't know it's like um, brown trouser time for him so of course they won last week to had a, a massive turnaround um, against Porto they won in Porto uh, big scandal over that we'll speak about later on with um, Andy Mack and uh, they'll play Olympiakos uh, of Greece in the next round it's actually on this uh, on Wednesday Wednesday evening uh, the 21st and then the return game is on the following Tuesday in Krasnodar so fingers crossed for them to go through to the main uh, to the group stage first ever time making history of course Spartak day one uh, against Thun and they are away now against Braga of Portugal the first game is on Thursday and the return game again in Moscow is on the 29th which goes Thursday week some other very interesting ties in that Europa League, uh, more interesting than the Champions League, that's for sure. Uh, Celtic, they got knocked out of the Champions League. They're playing AIK Stockholm. And Linfield of Northern Ireland, they are doing very, very well. They're playing Carabag, the team who beat Dundalk. Um, Torino against Wolves, so that's like one of the great old European clubs against, well, a decent old European club because we spoke with them a few weeks ago with Mr. Andrew Farmer. Uh, Legia Warsaw, they are playing uh, the hated enemy of Mr. Andy Mack, Glasgow Rangers. Um, good if Rangers get through to the group uh, stage because it'll mean a bit of money for them. And my team, Eintracht Frankfurt, have drawn Strasbourg, so not that far away in that nice little, beautiful little part of France where they make some nice pastries. Okay, so we're going to go straight away to Mr. Peter Staunton of Dole, not Dole, of uh, Goal.com. Uh, Peter, can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear, Alan. Brilliant. Listen, it's great, it's great to have you on. And I should say that I got the shock of my life when I was walking in the uh, opening parade of the World Games in Waterford there just, well, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I get a message from you saying, are you in Waterford? And you scared to live in daylight, said to me. I said, I've got my spies out. And I yeah. sent you a picture of you from behind yeah, <laughs> I, th- I actually look better from behind. The back of my head is much better than the front of my face, like, you know, so <laughs> that's the way it no, goes. That, that was my friend from home who was uh, coaching and playing with, with Team Asia, Connor Melvin, a, a great guy, a great GAA man who's done so much to promote the game uh, in the Far East and in, um, within Ireland and in Mayo especially as well, bringing kids over from Korea and other parts of Asia uh, to get them partaking in the game. Uh, in Mayo uh, during the summers and also promoting the game abroad and trying to get local youngsters uh, in the Seoul region uh, to play Gaelic football when he's out there as well. He's done so much. Uh, I don't know how his team did now in the World Games, but, but um, uh, you know, he's, he's a wonderful GA man. No, they were solid. They were well supported. I think they had like DHL. They had some very good backers and they were looked after by, I think, one of the Irish uh, food uh, companies. I forget which one it was uh, that were looking after them, like, you know, to, 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 to support them. I mean, it was great to see them there because they did add a real, um, let's just say, something very very different like I mean, of course Team Russia were taking part as well uh, backed by Capital FM and that was like that looked so so different but when you see the Asian uh, teams coming in as well and they were great they were actually great crack as well I mean we, we had good chats with all of them and they were just really lovely people but okay moving away from GAA because I don't want to uh, mention Mayo's uh, end to the season uh, of course uh, <laughs> because it, I'm still expecting a very nasty end to the season for Dublin so just that's, that's the way it'll go um, okay VAR now, I asked Andrew Flint in the last section, how has it been received? Like, is it working and so on? You were at that game yesterday, the Man City-Tottenham game. Um, a lot of kerfuffle over it. Uh, Man City, of course, went out of Europe on, a kind of, on the VAR decision. Um, how has it been received so far, Peter? Well, I don't think the VAR was the issue yesterday. I think it's more the, the new sort of interpretation of that handball rule that they've come out with this season, where if the ball hits any part of the arm, uh, for the attacking team inside the area then leads to a goal then, then it's going to be no goal whether it was delivered or not 
So the VAR is just there to, to check whether a transgression of the rule has taken place. And as the rule currently exists, well, yeah, the rule was broken. So I think uh, the referee, Michael Oliver, in the end, was quite happy to absolve himself of the responsibility and go, look, it wasn't me. The rule was broken and the video assistant referee pointed it out. It's got nothing to do with me. So it's, I think it's less to do with sort of the fastidiousness of the VAR uh, rulings more than, you know, it's actually to do with the rules, which people are not happy with at the minute. Now, whether it's handball or not, you know, that's, imi- that, you know that, that, that's black and white. You know, if the rule says it's handball, then it is handball. The other things that I think are going to have to clean. Okay, we'll, we'll try to get Peter back on. We just uh, lost him for a moment, so double ends trying to get him back on. Of course, uh, one of the issues as well that last uh, weekend we were discussing when the, the VAR came in, there were teams who were starting to feel that there was kind of, you know, that was going for big teams and not for small teams. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's an issue that we're, you know, it's everyone's fighting over. And as an actor, Flint said, and of course, Peter Staunton is supporting that. It's the, the interpretation of it, especially in regards to handball. Um, Peter, you're back on with us. I'm back on. Okay, great. So, uh, okay, um, Peter, just looking looking across the league right now, um, we had um, we're looking at the, the the top of the top of the top team. So Chelsea, of course, they had a, a very good display midweek. Drew one one today with uh, Leicester. But is there a bit of hope for Chelsea now? Because they, I mean, that's they, if you played them in five a side, they'd run rings around you. Well, yeah, I mean, they play great football and they're probably playing better football now than they were playing under Sarri. And I think there's a little bit of optimism uh, in terms of how he's using the young players. And he still has uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi to come back into that lineup as well. And I think that the identification of having a, a Chelsea man like Frank Lampard managing the team, uh, combined with having local youngsters or, or homegrown youngsters in the team uh, en masse for the first time in the Abramovich era. I think that's enough to kind of buy Lampard a little bit of time, whatever happens on the field. But I think they're going to have to get their act together quickly, uh, results-wise. That was a terrible result last week against Manchester United. Uh, they were they deserve more than losing 4-0, but they still lost 4-0. And today against Leicester, you know, in Jose Mourinho's days at, 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 at Chelsea, for example, those are the type of games that they'd blow the opposition away at 4-5-0 uh, themselves. So they really need to, you know, as much as the football is going to excite people, they have to get some points on the board and start doing it fast. Um, no, that 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 uh, that is very common. I mean, like staying kind of on that topic of Europe as well, because I, I do want to ask you about the the, the Super Cup. But um, you've got Wolves uh, playing away against uh, Torino this week. Um, in general, like within within uh, you know, the, the, the football media, how is that being viewed? That like Wolves are back in Europe after such a long time. I mean, they they had a great win against, of course, the um, Armenian team, uh, Punic. But uh, you know, but is is it kind of like? Um, Kind of a novelty, like you sort of see a dog walking on his hind legs to see wolves playing in Europe. I think it's quite logical that wolves have reached this stage, uh, even though it, you know, sort of so, so soon after promotion. But you know, when you go back to sort of how they signed players like Ruben Neves, who was a Porto captain when he was a teenager, you know, they sold him a, a vision of the club, what it's going to look like in in a year, what's going to look like in two, what it's going to look like in five, and provided they hit those marks as they've been hitting them over the last couple of seasons or so, then they're not going to have any trouble attracting players and they're not going to have trouble having people buy into their vision. So, you know, obviously the the, the first hope last year was consolidation and, and, you know, what came along with that was European football. And, and you know, the vision is to kick on. And um, they're putting the investment in. They put down 35, 40 million on Raul Jimenez. They've brought in a few players uh, along with Jimenez uh, over the course of the summer as well. And, you know, you measure that out along with the sort of talent that they've already got on the books. And this is a serious football club. This is a really serious football club who are doing things the right way, investing money in the right way. They've got a proper coach. And there's money been wasted left, right and centre down throughout that Premier League. 
And, you know, it, for me, it's only logical that a team like Wolves doing things the right way have got that far up the table. It doesn't matter that they've only just got promoted in the last sort of year or so. If you do things the right way, you'll get your rewards for it. Okay, yeah, it is. I mean, it does help that they have like a, a guy, good guy at the uh, the top office who sort of knows his way around the football transfer uh, business. Um, with that, the, the Super Cup midweek. Okay, we saw it, like we mentioned it, like yeah, they've done well. But do you think that um, that that now, like looking at Liverpool, are they are they stacked up enough to make a challenge for a title? Because um, I heard, like for example, our own John Giles said that he fears for Liverpool because they play a very high defence. This German, the, the Gagan pressing a very, very high defensive line um, but do you think it's going to be found out against the likes of Man City or even some of the, the, the smaller teams who put you know, 20 men behind the ball? Well, I thought, it would get, I thought it would get found out last year at some stage, to be fair but they managed to hold steady in the results until the end of the season, but I still, I still believe that the results uh, that Liverpool are getting are, are beyond the capabilities of, of the makeup of the team I, I don't believe still uh, that they're you know, capable of, of putting together another another title run. I think their squad is too skinny. Uh, I think they, you know, they're going to be exposed at the back now that Alisson is gone. And we saw already at the weekend, you know, they brought in essentially a free transfer who, uh, in Adrian who nobody was looking for, you know. And now they have to go with him for the next four or six weeks. And I think that could be a bit of a disaster. Uh, you know, Firmino, Salah, Mane, they all went deep in the summer in their respective international tournaments. If they're going to need a rest at some stage before sort of that February uh, mid-season break, as it were, uh, you know, then I think they could be in trouble as well, and they still have to countenance uh, another Super Cup of sorts when they go and play uh, uh, the Club World Cup in Qatar uh, in December as well. So I think things are going to stack up against them. Uh, you know, the kind of high energy game that they play, they haven't been found out in that regard so far. But it's it's only natural that these things are going to take their toll uh, over the course of the season. And you know, I think Man City were really, really unlucky not to uh, not to hold pace with Liverpool at the weekend. They've dropped two points behind. But by the time it's all said and done this season, I think City are going to be the only team left left standing in the Premier League. I think they'll win it quite convincingly this year. And I'm not even sure Liverpool will be second. Uh, hey Peter, Double N here. Hi. Um, it's been about a year since we met last time in chap at Champ Talks in Moscow, if you remember. Yeah. But I want to ask you, uh, in your opinion, will Leeds uh, win the championship this year? I think so. I think that's the way people are speaking at the minute in, in the UK. Uh, and that's the way that, that Leeds themselves feel uh, within the club is that they do not want to mess around uh, with the playoffs anymore. There's, it's just too much of a lottery. So the only way to, to countenance against that, against that and make sure that they don't have to face the playoffs is, is keep putting results together and keep winning games. And, you know, that was a potentially tricky fixture that they had at the weekend away to Wigan. And they came through quite, quite convincingly in the end. Uh, the only problem is there's going to be games like that Nottingham Forest one that they had the week before, you know, where they have sort of, you know, 20 shots at goal and the opposition has three or four shots at goal and still they don't manage to win the game. Those are the types of matches that frustrated Leeds fans last year and, and frustrated Bielsa. So there's only one thing for it. It means that new signings like Eddie Genkatia from Arsenal, who's a great loan signing and, and is probably going to go on and play for England uh, at some stage. He's a fantastic young player. And Helder Costa, who's a Portugal international and probably too good for the championship. Those guys are really going to need to step up and, and become decisive uh, in the moments that players like Bamford and Jack Harrison weren't last year. And added to that, Bamford is, you know, he's off, off and running this year. Uh, goals against Stoke, uh, goals against Wigan. Uh, you know, he really needs to, uh, to, to finish um, you know, when the chances come his way and make sure that he's not wasting any of these prime opportunities in the big games. If they can get that sorted out in front of goal, I don't think they'll have any pro problem getting promoted. It's going to all come down to taking those chances that they create in matches.
Um, before we let you go, Peter, uh, just one final question. Um, Christian Eriksen, of course, he is, uh, you know, he, 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 he's going to, looks like he's going to leave in free transfer next summer from Spurs. Um, Real Madrid are looking to try and buy him now because, of course, their window doesn't close for a while. How likely is it that he will leave Spurs and how big of an impact would that make on Pochettino? Uh, Pochettino's uh, plans. I'm not sure that he's going to leave this summer. I think you're right in saying that it's going to be a free transfer next year. And I think it's a little bit embarrassing on a, on a personal front for Ericsson that he came out sort of after the Champions League final and said, whatever happens now, uh, I'm ready to leave Spurs and take that next step in his career. And yet he does that and, and no big club came in and, and said, OK, we're going to take Ericsson off your hands. So I think it kind of tells you uh, where his place is in the sort of the pecking order of European football. Your PSGs, your Real Madrid's, your Barcelonas are not exactly looking in his direction uh, right now. It might be a different story if he's a free transfer. He might come in as an Aaron Ramsey type figure. But for somebody who they're going to pay 65, 70, 80 million for, you know, he still doesn't attract that kind of attention. And there's a reason for that. It's because in the bigger matches, Ericsson is... You know, he's sort of nowhere to be seen. You know, uh, who stands up and is counted for Spurs in these big games? You know, we do see Deli Ali in the Premier League do it. Obviously, Harry Kane has got a really good goal-scoring record. But sometimes these big games pass Ericsson by. And we saw it again on Saturday. You know, he'll fulfill a, a sort of a tactical role uh, within the team without, be, without excelling himself too much in these big games away from home, especially. And I just don't see him as that sort of definitive game-changing player that big European teams uh, are looking for in the, in the same vein that, uh, that a Luka Modric or a Gareth Bale were uh, when they moved uh, to Real Madrid all those years ago. So I think Ericsson still has a little bit of work uh, to do to prove himself uh, to become worthy to play for those really, really big uh, European teams. But I think Spurs, you know, when it comes to Pochettino replacing people, I think Spurs are quite happy. Uh, well, you know, they kind of take it on the chin when players have to move on. You know, that's sort of their modus operandi and it has been over the last few years. They lose a player, they get somebody in. And they've already set the wheels in motion for that by bringing in uh, Tangi Ndombele from Lyon, who's a fantastic player, and bringing in Lo Celso as well uh, from Betis, who they may get on a permanent deal uh, next summer as well. So I don't think it will be a problem uh, when Ericsson eventually goes. OK, that's good news for Spurs and Spurs fans. So, listen, Peter, thank you very much. Have a brilliant evening and fingers crossed for Leeds this year and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you, Alan. Looking forward to talking to you again. That's great. Best. Thanks, Peter. Okay, it's Peter Staunton of Goal.com who will be a, a regular fixture here with us because uh, we remember him quite well. Any score updates for our listeners? Yeah, so with uh, 15 minutes left on, in the match, so Sevilla still leads 1-0 to okay. Espanyol. Yeah. Okay, that's good because Sevilla, of course, they're like, you know, they were rated fifth to win the league this year. But yeah. A long way behind. I think it's about 100 to 1. Okay, folks, we're going to the break right now. We have One Republic and a little did I think you're going to enjoy. I think it's going to get you pumped up for the next part because, of course, we have Alex B and Mr. Andy Mack. When we get back, so... Stick with us. This is One Republic and Love Runs Out. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Got my mind made up, and I can't let go. I'm killing it. 
with Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks, to part three and sadly the last segment of tonight's show here uh, on Capital FM. This is Capital Sports Coast. I'm Alan Moore, and Double N is still with me here in the studio. He has he has allowed me to remain in my seat, so he has uh, he said he's not going to kick me out just yet. One little small thing as well, because uh, Real Madrid are also supposedly looking to get Paul Pogba off Manchester United's hands. So that's a kind of you know move. It could be a quite a good move. And also, also one interesting fact is that um, Everton who will speak with one of their main people next week, actually. Everton have been offered Frank Ribery. Now, he's 36 years old, uh, has basically won everything that you can in the game, and uh, he has left Bayern Munich, of course, after 12 years there with the Reading Champions, and uh, he is looking for a new club, free agent, so it could just cost, well, it costs a whack of money, but I don't know if he's the right fit for Everton. Okay, we're going to go right away across to Canada to... A guy that we miss very, very much here, um, even though he probably doesn't miss us. So we're going to go straight away to Mr. Alex B and his pun of the day. Alex, how are you doing? Uh, hello. Uh, I, I miss you guys very much. I know. I miss the great city of Moscow and the boys at Capital FM. I don't know what you're accusing me of here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I just want to say that, yeah, on the way here, I was... Um, I was having a pretty bad day, but a clown uh, held the door open for me, and it was a very... Okay. I think that choke is so bad that he probably dropped. So is he back on still with us? He's going to go back up in one moment. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see what, what Alex B had that joke for. Because one thing we're going to speak with him about is the um, Ruiz-Joshua fight, the rematch, of course. It's going to take place in Jeddah. Well, it was meant to be Jeddah. Now it looks like it's going to be in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. So we're going to go straight back. Alex, uh, you're back with us? Yeah. Okay. So um, The joke right, about no, the clown I mean, in the I'm door. I'm assuming you didn't hear any of that joke, so I'm not, no. uh, not going to repeat. Okay. Okay. So listen, um, Joshua, Joshua Ruiz, Alex. Um, it's a it's a big story. It's going to take place in Saudi Arabia. It's all about the the Benjamins. It's all about the money. So, um, what what is your take on it? Uh, my take on it is that uh, I think most people, yeah. I think most people look going into this fight are thinking that either a it was a fluke and Joshua's going to beat this guy and. Uh, the other half were kind of skeptical because they think that Ruiz knocked out Joshua in the first round, so he should have no problem doing it again. But I think that it's a very 50-50 fight because Andy Ruiz, on a good day, he's he's as good as Joshua, I think. I think it's like he's very much capable of stopping him. But the problem in Saudi Arabia is that all those Saudi Arabian judges, because of Joshua's team, if it goes to a decision, Andy Ruiz is not going to win that fight. So... The only way they can really get it done is if he manages to stop Joshua before it goes to the decision of judges. So that's really my hot take on that. So it could go either way. I'm not going to make any predictions. Okay, that's no, fair enough. Because there's, there's a bit of a war of words between Joshua and, of course, the legend that is uh, Lennox Lewis. Um, because Lewis was kind of like, he, he's not a big he's not, he's not a big fan. He just doesn't think that Joshua is all that. Um, and then Joshua has been like calling him out. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I'd say it's more of like a war. The war is fueled by Joshua's team and Joshua's like managing because they want like to have this big money fight that Joshua can win. But uh, Lennox Lewis, he's been very classy about this whole thing. So far, he's been only saying that, like, I know Joshua doesn't want to like actually have like a war with me, like where like I respect him and like stuff like that. So, he says, so essentially, he tweeted that uh, Joshua still has his numbers. So whenever he wants to like talk about anything he's said previously, you can always like talk to him. 
Well, so he's you, been very classy about this whole thing. Uh, Joshua hasn't really been too vocal about this, so I don't really think this is a that we really need in the box right now. Exactly. Okay, uh, FIBA, the World Basketball Championships, of course, Russia have qualified again, as we know, because we were told by a uh, former guest of the show who is now in Turkey playing his basketball. Um, that yeah. Russia have qualified, so what's, what's the, the hot take on that one? Uh, well, so the FIBA, so I'm just going to say my uh, top three countries if you don't mind and then i'm going to work into uh, what's going on for russia so um i'd say the top three are well america has always just like it's been basketball has been like america's sport always so obviously it's number number one is the favorite is usa um it's not really like a national like na- like a, not a lot of national pride is put on the line here for the american team because we don't see a lot of actual like great NBA talent come in. We've seen like rookies and like stuff like that. We, see, we have very talented players on the American team, but not as well. You see a lot of European countries that get absolutely the best people we can get. That's not really necessarily what's going on in the states because they're all mo- more focused on the NBA season than they're exactly. on this. Yeah. And um, so the number two country is Greece because they have um, well purely because they have a pretty nice team and they have Giannis Antetokounmpo who's who's like a top two, top three player in the NBA, and he's by far the best player to compete in this tournament. And after that, we have Serbia, which uh, they, just, they just got all the guns they could find here. They got everybody. So Serbia could get very nice in this in the They could possibly top three I'm looking at for Serbia. So when it comes to Russia, um, Russia, unfortunately, uh, the way it is is that Russia's talent isn't really like close with like those top three countries. But at the same time, we're a very well-coached team, and um, just, not, just just like I think yesterday, Russia played against Italy, and they were down 15 points, and after that, they somehow came back in the fourth quarter and won that game against Italy. So Russia could possibly be looking at a top-three spot here if something happens. Okay, but they're going to need everything going their way, uh, but that's fair enough. Um, uh, yes. Very, very quick... Quick, quick uh, question for you before we're going to let you go. Um, Conor McGregor got into a barroom fight with a man in his 70s uh, and still couldn't knock him down. Um, does Conor need to grow up a bit? Uh, well, I can't really say I'm surprised knowing Conor McGregor, but um, yeah, uh, I think that if you're an MMA fighter, like fighting is like, the last thing you should do. Exactly. So obviously that's not that's not a good look for McGregor. But at the same time, he's already kind of used to this kind of thing, so it's just like ah, whatever. Exactly. Listen, Alex, thank you very much. We'll be back on to you next week. You have a good week, and uh, we'll wait for more news from you next time. All right, thank you. Thanks, Alex B. Okay, that was Alex B. over in Ontario, of course. He's going to be checking in with us and keeping us up to date. Now, uh, while Double N is getting Andy Mack on the line, I do have a score update. Yes, that Sevilla-Espanol game. Espanol, of course, is the second team in Barcelona. So the Sevilla-Espanol game, it is now 2-0. 2-0 after 86 minutes. So that, that it, time is run out now for Espanol, that they're gone. Um, at 10 o'clock, of course, kicking off, if anyone wants to have a bit of Spanish football on the TV, Real Batiste are playing against Valladolid I'm saying those names correct because I was working with some Spanish players in Ireland and of course as uh, Double N already said Athletic Madrid they are up against Getafe Getafe at 11 o'clock tonight now uh, tomorrow night of course as we mentioned the big game the big big game of the well let's just say the 
Well, for me, anyway, not just tomorrow, but I think it's, this is a big, really, really big one. Um, not Spartak, of course, is very, very good, but it's Wolves and Man United. Now, we've been speaking about Wolves, that they have this very progressive club, they're developing the right way, they're bringing through young players, they're getting the pick of the Portuguese talent. There's questions to be asked. We have asked these questions as well, but what's happening with these guys? And, you know, why are they, you know... Um, why are they going to Wolves and another team? Of course, they have an agent who's involved with them and that seems to be helping them out just a little bit. Now, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about how this is going to play out, but United, uh, Manchester United, they, they need to get this win against Wolves, okay? They, it's important for them because I think there is a real fear. There's a real fear. I was speaking with uh, one of the Man U um, fan club people here today and he said that like you know if they don't win tomorrow this could just be kind of nasty now at the same time tomorrow evening of course as we already mentioned we have uh, Spartak and Siska that that is a huge huge game uh, tomorrow night here um, I don't know what do you reckon uh, double N I mean we, with Spartak now we, we've seen Spartak of course last season where we're, you know, we started playing Siska and so on but in terms of the quality of the Russian Football League um, do you think that like okay, they they've they've flattered quite well in Europe? They've won three games in a row, but Ziska tomorrow it maybe might be a step too far for Spartak. Yeah, um, I think uh, uh, a rival in in face of CSK Moscow is uh, like uh, one of the big contenders for this year's title. But of course, as we know, the Sparta has got really big names coming to their club, and still some rumors are going on about some other like uh, football stars that might arrive here in Moscow to Spartak. But I, I think, yeah, the, tomorrow's match will be a huge like a test for them because the, uh, they have a good, quite, quite good momentum, as our mm-hmm. guest said earlier before. But, yeah, it will be a, a kind of tough test for them tomorrow. But I think um, if they pass it well, successfully, I think they have a, good, a real good chances to go top, top high this, this year. Yeah, because yeah. I th- yeah, cause I, I don't, like, I, I'd fancy... Spartak to uh, do well, um, I, you know, and, and of course, actually, Andrew Finsman about Contos because he has he has his his uh, sort of an alternative take on all of this as well. So um, you know, I think it's it's something that I don't know. If from in my opinion, Spartak are a team with huge amount of potential, a huge amount of quality. They have massive fans, of course, and it showed actually the respect um, it, it, the respect of the um, let's say other fans. From what a, a, a Spartak fan, quite tragically. Um, died this past week uh, in a car crash, and um, the fans of other teams. Bakit, sorry, is his name Bakit. He, he died um, in a car accident, and the other like fans of other teams remembered him. So no matter what, even though the, the fans might not, not might excuse me might not like each other. I'm sorry, get my teeth back in. So they might not like each other, but at the same time, they do have this deep respect and this. Uh, you know, fan on a fan level and on a club level, the fans do uh, have respect. So, okay, sorry, just Andrew, we got back on to see another couple of things that, that he wanted to, to to nip up on, especially I know it's regarding Europe. Um, Andrew, you're back. You're back with us, um, and just on that game, the uh, you can hear Andrew. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I started talking about that. Okay, Andrew. Sorry. Um, that that Spartak Siska came to Okay, we discussed it, and you know, Spartak need to to, to get the win and so on. Um, Overall, overall, with, with, with looking at the, the, the league is going to play out uh, right now, um, if Spartak lose, will it mean the season is mm-hmm. over? Because it's something that you have a strong view on. If, is the season over? Or can they just say, OK, look, it doesn't matter, we're going to, to go deep into, into the Europa League? No, absolutely not over. Um, it's a big, big blow for them. Um, but 
as we know, the table is quite tight at that stage already. And there are still, you know, 24 games to go. I think, actually, um, that Spartak are looking in much better shape than they have for a long time, simply because they, I think, surely is a huge, huge part of it. But we still haven't seen the best of Jordan Larson either. So their attacking potential is still there to come. Um, so I don't think it's season over, but it is a big, big blow if they do lose, admittedly. That's fair enough. Listen, uh, we, I wanted to ask you, we just ran out of time on a couple of different things. Um, the, uh, the abuse that Tammy Abraham's got uh, after missing the penalty, uh, it was quite uncomfortable, mm-hmm. wasn't it? The, Chelsea, the young Chelsea player. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's just it's, it's horrible to see at any point, but to see it so blatantly, so openly and so brazenly is the, I think, the most worrying side. Um, because, I mean, you could go into deeper issues about this situation in the United Kingdom at the moment, with a lot of tension, shall we say, around Brexit and whatnot, but um, I think the the freedom which people find on social media in this age to say whatever they want, and it doesn't quite go as checked as it should do, that's what terrifies me the most. Um, so I desperately hope that sense um, is made for the people responsible, but it's so hard when it's most of it is done facelessly online. Okay. Um, another issue that we, we didn't get time to cover earlier on, but we really wanted to get back onto it uh, because it relates to broadcasting. Um, and you had dug into this as well, was the whole issue with uh, Match TV's inability to cover the oh, huge game this past week, the Champions League qualifier between uh, Krasnodar and Porto. Now, apparently, apparently, Porto were asking for too much money for Match TV to cover it, and Match TV then put it through on an illegal feed, like a, a camera behind the goal. I mean, what, what happened? Because a lot of listeners won't know what went on because it was basically a, a Russian issue. So what went on in, in uh, Porto? Well, it was it's an absolute free ball of the qualifiers because the broadcasting rights hang with the home side. And basically, Match TV suggested, um, <laughs> rather kindly for themselves, that they would pay by the 1st of September. And Porto said, no, you must pay the fee before the match. And they asked for €50,000. And it's, a, it's more than usual for these sort of qualifiers. About €15,000, €20,000 is about standard for broadcasting rights. And Porto set a deadline of 90 minutes before the game for Match TV to agree and pay the total sum, which they didn't. So Porto cut the feed, and in response, Match TV uh, basically stole the feed that was actually being broadcast by a Porto <laughs> Twitter um, account. Which oh, the Twitter account? Really, Sorry, I did not. Really a Christ of Almighty. Yeah, okay. yeah it, was the Porto, it was the Porto account. Um, and they put out loads of, loads of social media um, teasing Porto afterwards, but I don't think this is going to go away because Porto have said that they are considering legal action. And in a sense, I can, un- well, I say not in a sense, I can understand them. Uh, match to be work rather cheeky by the sounds of it. I mean, it, I mean, I, I, I know different times, like say, work with <laughs> clubs in Europe where they did actually ask for money, like certain amounts of money, but usually it's, it's not a huge amount of money to pay. Um, and Match TV did afterwards that they, they really tried to, to wind it all up. Um, do you think that maybe it, 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 this could be a way to go for the teams or to pick up like these, like, uh, you know, to, to, to broadcast them like this? Because instead of paying huge amounts of money to, uh, uh, you know, for broadcast rights, just to put it on social media. 
Well, I, I think we'll see before long. I reckon within the next one or two major TV deals, we'll see most broadcasters will be online anyway. Um, we've seen the English Premier League on um, Oco Sport online at the moment this uh, this season, and I think it's the way it's going to go. Um, in terms of the qualifiers, I think it's. I just think it's a complete mess. I think UEFA needs to take charge and say, right, we are going to hand out the package for qualifiers and the main competition. Um, I know there will be legal issues they'll need to get around for that, but that's what they need to do because this was just such a farcical event yeah, over looked, what was the biggest game in Krasadar's history. Yeah, I mean, as you said, they're 180 minutes away now from the Champions League group stage. Regardless, they're in the Europa League group stage again, no matter what happens. So it is big. Um, finally, before we let you go again, and finally, finally for tonight, of course, um, <laughs> that huge game tomorrow, Wolves and Man U, um, man, you cannot afford to slip up on this because they, you know, they started with a bit of a, a you know a, a bit of spirit, so they need to win this game, don't they? Yeah, Wolves are going to be um, much. It pains me to admit it. They are going to be our more direct rivals than Liverpool and Manchester City this season. They have uh, they have a really solid squad. Um, they've they've reinforced well. Uh, oh. He has dropped. Okay, so that is Andrew Flint. He he just unfortunately oh, dropped. So saw the squad. Just so you know, uh, Andy Mack. We couldn't get him, of course, because he's in work right now. There's some breaking news. Uh, but he said that for the Liverpool Arsenal game, both teams to score. Both teams to score. So note that down. He is usually pretty good on the money. And for Tula to beat Orenburg here in Russia. Okay, uh, for Spartak to win and uh, against. Um, but both to score against Krylia Sovetov. Okay, so those three. Liverpool and Arsenal, both teams to score. Tula to beat Orenburg and Spartak uh, to beat Krylia Sovetov, Samara, but both teams to score. So there you go. Okay, so we're going to go ahead just very, very shortly uh, with our final song of the night. Um, final score in that game in Spain. Yeah, um, now it's uh, going into seventh minute of extra time. and Seventh no- minute of extra time? Yeah. Of injury time, so oh my goodness. Injury time, okay, yeah. All right. so, yeah, injury time. And Nolita has added up. Um, for civil side, so now it's two nil, two nil, and just now as we are speaking, the match is finished, so it's two nil for Sevilla. Okay, so good start to the season for them. Okay, that, that's yeah. okay. Of course, we did say those two games are starting later on tonight. Okay, we're going to go ahead right now to the break. Oh, sorry, for for good for the for the night. We do have a, a guest in the studio, May, May, so she's going to get her gift that she won last week because I have to apologize. I called her Sergey last week, um, and her name is not Sergey. Of course, it's May. So um, we're going to present you. Don't worry, May. Just stay where you are. We're going to give you this gift. Okay. Um, um, the, the final song, of course, we're going to play it with. Uh, well, before I do, Double N, thank you very much for thank you. your thank patience. Thanks so much for him. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to go out. Um, thank all our correspondents. Thank you, listeners, as well, for bearing with us. Uh, we have a song that's a dedication for a happy birthday to uh, Anna B, so uh, one of our loyal listeners. So this is for her. So have a great week, folks. Watch lots of football, watch lots of sports. It's going to be a great week. And next weekend, we're going to have the full team back here in the studio. We're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, be ready for it. Okay. So um, this is Take That and the Flood. We'll talk to you in one week's time. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Standing on the edge of forever. Shouting love and